When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to Britain is a Nation of... The podcast where we explore British behaviour by unpacking statistics to understand the little differences... And similarities... Between us all. I'm Stuart Henderson, Head of News at Yahoo UK. And I'm Matilda Long, Journalist at Yahoo... And I'm Victoria Valdezzi, data journalist at YouGov. This week, we'll be discussing statistics around the theme of work, from lying on your CV to how you really feel about your colleagues. And we're joined by special guest, host of Yahoo Finance Presents It's a Jungle Out There, and head of Yahoo Finance UK, Liana Brinded. Hello. So I'd like to talk about that wonderful relationship between work and money. <laughs> often a very awkward subject. So um, you go on this omnibus have done some excellent research into how much people love their jobs and whether or not people think they're paid enough. Now, on the face of it, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> 62% of people either love or like their job. And 47% of people think their job is either very well or well paid. Unfortunately, When you break it down a little bit more, what that means is a third of us are either in a job we don't like or doesn't pay as much as we think we should pay. That's a lot of people, I think. That's quite depressing. There's a third of us. It means at least one person in this room right now (laughs) either doesn't like their job or doesn't... No no hands up, please, anyone. Um, So I need to put in a little caveat here, which is that Stuart is my boss. So discussing... (laughs) Whether or not you like your job and whether you're paid enough is a little bit awkward. Yeah, I'm going to be to bring in dogs. Drifting across right now. <laughs> it's not going to get any easier because <laughs> I think it's interesting what makes us unsatisfied with our jobs. Like the idea of not getting paid enough, I guess you can you can rationalise that quite easily. Like you can't, you can't afford to pay your bills or you can't afford to do whatever you want to do. But the, the idea of satisfaction with your jobs is f- much more nuanced, I think. Mm. Um Another YouGov poll said that, I think it was in 2015, said that uh, 37% of working Brits uh, think their job makes no meaningful contribution to the world. And I think that's almost worse than not being satisfied with your job. I mean, they're very sort of (laughs) hand in glove, but feeling like you're spending eight hours a day working, you know, really hard and having no meaningful impact on the world is pretty depressing, right? But I think people work for different reasons, right? So if you're you know, you've got a family and you want to make a bunch of money for them. Maybe you don't care that your job doesn't make a big difference to the world because you have a lot of cash to have a good time at home. <laughs> I think a lot of people think like that. Or bring up your children so they cannot make a meaningful contribution. Either <laughs> True. <laughs> Great parenting technique. <laughs> well, um, I did a bit of reading into this. Um, according to the anthropologist David Graeber, uh, LSE, um, he has done some fascinating research into what he likes to call bullshit jobs Uh, and bullshit jobs are basically those kind of forms of employment uh, that even the people doing them kind of accept there's probably no reason for them to exist 
Right. Does anyone feel that way about their job at the moment? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I think I have to say no. <laughs> but no, I, I don't. What do we think? What, what do we think bullshit jobs are then? What do you think? What do we think he's talking about? Mm. I always think about this when you always hear politicians talking about creating jobs. And I always find mm. it a little bit weird that it's seen as a political point to just say, we created 300,000 jobs. We created, okay, cool. What are those jobs doing? Like, are they good jobs? Are they well-paid jobs? Are they sustainable jobs? Like, it seems really strange to me that there's no adjective attributed to job that makes it one that ways we sort of celebrate having created other than just just a job, any job is a good job. And I think some of the jobs that perhaps would be seen as like bullshit jobs are jobs where, you know, if you took them out of the company or you took them out of the organization, it really wouldn't make any difference at the end of the day. Or I think another thing that you see a lot now is jobs where people are very aware that automation is well on its way and they can feel that there's nothing unique that they as a person, as a human being are adding to that position. And I think the effect that that has on your self-worth is probably pretty enormous. It's pretty interesting, you're right, because sort of saying that it's kind of those politicians sort of saying, you know, we've created all these jobs. And and often they do that to try and quell some kind of dissatisfaction or broad dissatisfaction. In fact, what Graebus kind of argues is that, in fact, the jobs that tend to be rationalised or the jobs that tend to be created are these kind of middle manager clerical jobs <laughs> that aren't particularly productive. And, in fact, what they tend to be doing is rationalising and making more efficient the jobs of people who are genuinely productive. And he kind of separates <laughs> right. this into people on like the production line and people in their cubicles. Yeah. And and the kind of the rise of the cubicle worker is essentially synonymous with the rise of the bullshit worker. <laughs> and and the value of someone who's that kind of middle man middle manager role is just someone who oversees a lot of people who are being far more productive than they're ever going to be. Um, they also tend to get paid more. And what you end up with is this kind of broad pe broad sort of population of people who are working very very hard actually being productive and they see people higher up the pecking order than them getting paid more getting to have kind of fun kind of creative kind of cushy desk bound jobs <laughs> not getting their finger fingers dirty getting paid more of them and not getting laid off as likely it just seems it seems quite so those it, it are people more that you think well. are unhappy with their job and their salary people who can maybe see someone above them who they know is being paid more who they think doesn't work as hard. That must be a cont contributing factor. I think, yeah, I think that must be it. Um, so I guess, so Glassdoor have looked into this a little bit more as well. And they every year they do a, um, a take on the best jobs in the workforce. Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, and they judge this by medium-based salary, job satisfaction, career opportunities, and how many jobs are in the market at any one time. And... It's interesting because despite what everything Graeber says, most of these top 25 jobs are basically managers. And I have no idea what some of these people do, to be honest. Um, number one, any thoughts, any guesses? Oh, so something to do with management. Something be like a scrum master or something. It's a scrum master. What? Working at a tech company, come on. <laughs> um, they are the kind of like middle managers for... Um, when you think about like technology jobs, they kind of like, especially with developers, they're kind of like the lead person for that group, but they're kind of like that management that's in between 
other types of management. So they could be seen as a middle manager, but they're essential actually for getting a group of developers to do a certain project. It's a good example though of that kind of position because as far as I understand, it's like a certain way of working. It's like a formula and you have to get a qualification as a scrum master. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Stuart looks a bit No, to be fair, a friend of mine uh, was was doing this and I was I was like, you're going to be a what? <laughs> he was like, oh no, trust oh, me, that's the next player, big thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, it sounds tasty. I would have guessed that all of the best jobs with best satisfaction were sort of caring professions or where you work no, really closely with other people. No. <laughs> no. no. So what, worst paid jobs ever, which is really true. sad. Well, What's it's, the it, top? It's interesting, of the top 25, I think, I think it's four of them pay more than, I think it's four of them pay more than 40 grand a year, which is... You know, no particular. Come on, tell us, tell us, tell us. <laughs> In at number one, uh, marketing manager. Oh, oh. exciting, right? Mm. Uh, average salary of forty-two thousand. Nice. Uh, the top five is rounded up by operations manager. Yep. Emoji shrug, right here. Yeah, yep. <laughs> we're, all, we're all shaking our heads. Audit manager. Oh. It gets even more exciting. <laughs> Finance manager. They've got the highest average salary of sixty-one thousand. Okay, well, there's the plus point. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is interesting because their, their um, satisfaction rating is one of the lowest at 3.6, but they get paid a ton of money, so that kind of cushions the blow a bit. Uh, and a product manager as well. And it's just, you know, managers, managers, partners. It's it's the people who are well paid. It is. I mean, the, the lowest paid one on here is uh, a recruiter uh, who uh, is, gets an average salary of 25000 and has a relatively high job satisfaction of 4.1. But it's you're right, it's really... De- I'd have thought it's the people who get that kind of feedback that you can't really measure as much, like yes. nurses and maybe teachers and things like that that would be higher up. But I'm, af- I'm afraid not. I think it's just trying to get that balance, isn't it? Because, I mean, like, obviously the sweet spot is that you do a job that you love. You're in an environment where you feel nurtured and you obviously get good pay. But unfortunately, it's just it, it just doesn't work that way. Obviously, sometimes it takes a long time in your career to get to that point where you're comfortable. But when it does come to things that like, let's say, especially caring professions, you mentioned before, or um, that are lower paid, it's sometimes when the pay is so low that that cancels it out. Obviously, with those jobs, you wouldn't expect in a way for it to be a lot higher in salaries, but it's so low, especially in this country. Mm. Then, of course, you work long hours, you have low pay, and even mm. though you're doing something for worldly good, it's making it hard for you to pay for your food on the table for your kids. So, But I would have thought something like a finance manager, I think, so that industry, I think, has a reputation for having really long hours. Mm. So I thought maybe the opposite would happen, that you earn a lot of money, but you're at work all the time. So your satisfaction would be lower because you can't spend your huge salary. Yeah, I mean, I had, um, it's interesting actually, because that reminded me of uh, um, my my ex's brother-in-law because we had conversations about this uh, many times where he was actually a compliance manager for a huge investment bank and he earned so much money. But he would explicitly, every time we saw him, would always go like, uh, you know, if I go, so how's work going? It's like, you know, I hate it, shut up. 
And I'm just like, okay, nice to see you too. Happy birthday. (laughs) Um, And uh, he essentially said that he does the job because he knows he gets lots of money. He's fine at it. Um, But all it does then is allow to then pay for the lifestyle when he's not working. That was a very Mm. small amount of time, but he used to call it concentrated happiness, which I find quite bleak. (laughs) Where him and his wife would have like then go away for like a couple of months and just have the biggest blowout traveling time ever over two months and then be miserable for 10 months of the year. And I was just like, okay, whatever works for you. Ooh, that makes me feel a bit sad. Concentrated happiness. (laughs) That's brilliant. So, Liana, which is more important? A job, a job you love or a job that pays well? <laughs> I would always say a job that you love. Obviously, that feels like a very privileged thing to say um, because obviously, like, let's say where we're sitting right now, we get to talk and write for a living and, you know, we can, you know, we get free food at work and things like that. But the thing is, it's, it generally always should come down to when you do a job, something that you enjoy doing, something that you love because having with your job and your career, it's never linear. It never goes exactly where you plan. And opportunities come up at different points. But if you enjoy and love what you do you will naturally build up different skills meet lots of different people and be in an industry that you love rather than you know and the money does come later which like you showed on the glass door thing is that it's always later stage in careers where it reaches that level because you've then accumulated all those skills and then been able to command a higher salary which then helps i think you you're right both- with i think you're right with the complacency as well because you have also did another poll about um which is more important your job or your job you love or a job you um, enjoy doing uh, or job that pays well and it's interesting as you get older markedly people say more that the job you love is more important and that is possibly true but I think it is born of complacency probably because you're likely to be paid more anyway yes it's easier to say not always I don't think so well, it's interesting, like it, it increases. So it, it, when asked, would you rather have a job you love that doesn't pay very much or a job you hate that pays very well? In terms of a job you love, 56 of 18 to 24 year olds said a job you love was more important. And then that rose from 25 to 49 year olds to 50, uh, to 60%. And then 50 to 65 year olds was 70%. So it's an increase of 14% over that kind of middle middle part of your life. But then when you get to 65 and above, it actually drops slightly and actually money becomes more important. Because you're closer to death. Because you, because you suddenly <laughs> you don't have to, a salary and, and you've yeah, got exactly. less money. All the time yeah. left in your life. So suddenly you're not quite as complacent as you were for the last 10, 15 years of your life when on average you are, you would expect to be pay, earning more money. So mm. I, I do feel a little bit that Brits are kind of kidding themselves a little. It's, it's much easier to love your job if you're getting paid well. And I also think that like relating it back to the seven that you mentioned before about the contribution you're making to the world, I know that everything is relative, right? And we rely so much on other people's kind of validation of ourselves and your salary is in a way of, is a validation of your work. And it's in part a measure that, that, you know, the world or at least your company is using to say how valuable you are and how useful you are and how much you bring, you know? And I think if you're not paid well for your position, you're the only one that you can rely on to say, I know I'm doing something important. I feel I'm doing something important. But if at the end of the day, the money that comes in is nowhere near what you feel would be like the right amount to to, to validate that. And actually you're seeing people next to you who you don't think are necessarily doing as meaningful things for the world, but somehow they're bringing in five times as much. It's quite hard to be your own cheerleader there and have to always be like, actually, no, this is important. And I am satisfied and I know that I'm doing the right thing, you know, because... Yeah, we kind of rely on other people to help us kind of keep that motivation going. 
I find with journalism, it's quite nice that when you say to someone what your job is, everyone understands what it is, which I think is maybe the opposite to what you were talking about before, your bullshit job. If you're saying I'm a, a somethingy, somethingy, somethingy manager, mm-hmm. people can't understand what you do day to day. There's no second question, is there? No. Yeah. Is it like, oh, okay. What's that like? What did you do at the weekend? <laughs> so oh, where do you work then? Mm. Oh, that's near me. Let's talk about things near How, us collectively. What's your office like? Yeah. But journalism, you know, something like a doctor, people really can just get to grips with what you do which I think is possibly a sign that it's not a bullshit job. <laughs> possibly, although there was a, a survey out last week that said that journalists are the fourth most distrusted profession in the country behind... Ugh. Politicians. politicians. Back in my head so Min- much. And then specifically ministerial politicians. Oh. Uh, and I actually can't remember the one that was at the bottom. Advertising uh, executives. Oh, it was advertising executives, yes. yeah. So, I mean... I'd, I would say being a journalism a journalist now is, is not quite as... <laughs> I'd say a lot of people would say it's a bullshit job for very different reasons. <laughs> so I'm going to kick off by asking everyone a question, and you all have to be honest. Have you ever lied on your CV, Deanna? Absolutely not. I'm way too much of a paranoid person to ever do that. And I think anyone that lies on their CV are setting themselves up for a fall. Okay, Stuart? I don't think so. I don't want to be as categorical as Leanna, but I don't think I have. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not quite sure. Victoria? The only thing I will confess to have done is changed an internship. Well, not changed, but just if my title was actually research intern, I just said researcher. If I thought I probably wouldn't be asked. Massaging the title. That's not a lie. That's just massaging it a bit, making it a bit (laughs) more palatable. Yeah, because I think there's a difference between white lies and big lies. So I think I've possibly extended dates to cover to cover a break very early so when I was sort of just graduated and was interning if I had a couple of weeks between jobs I think I would have covered that up because that's interesting though that you thought that was something that you felt you should yeah I don't know why but I did that yeah so I (laughs) suddenly Stu's looking at HR now just checking through Matilda's CV so I am among the one in 10 Brits who has lied on their CV, which I think is quite high, quite a lot of people. Um, and out of those people who told these lies, the most common fib was about your education or qualifications, which is quite a significant thing to lie about, I think. That was 40% of people, followed by the length of time spent in a job. I'm slightly guilty of that, as it turns out. <laughs> followed by level of experience. And then the next one, 29% of people have lied about their personal interests. <laughs> 3% of people have lied about their age. And 1% of people have lied about their name. Their name. Wow. Which I think is extraordinary. I think you can understand why someone would lie about their previous jobs. But why on earth would you lie about your personal interests? I have no idea. I'm still staggered that 40% lie about their qualifications. That seems very fact checkable but then think? when i when i look at cvs and when i interview people like once you get beyond sort of like five years or so away from your qualifications that just kind of becomes immaterial to the job probably you want them to do yeah i guess it depends on the job but and there are positions where they'll say that there's a certain requirement where if you look at it and you're like well look i can do this job i just don't have a master's in this very specific thing mm-hmm. i'm just gonna say that i might <laughs> you know so liana you're correct to be nervous about this 
So I, <laughs> I thought this was really interesting because I, I thought it was quite a high number. So I spoke to Remzi Ozcan, who is an employment solicitor at Slater and Gordon. And she told me that technically you can go to prison for lying on your CV because yep. it can amount to fraud, which is a criminal offence. It carries a prison sentence. And if you work in a regulated profession, for example, medicine, uh, you can also be struck off and mm. completely, completely ruin your career. Uh, she also said at the less serious end of the end of the scale, if you've been offered a job, obviously it can be withdrawn and it can be grounds for dismissal if people find out later that you've lied on your CV. The other thing about it is, do you make it, what if you have a LinkedIn profile? Like, do you lie on there too? And what if you do it, like, what if you put different lies on your CV for different job applications? Then how do you keep it consistent with just your online trail, you know? Because there's so true. many things that you can just Google. And people are, People definitely get caught out on their social media because yeah. if you're if you're hiring someone for a job, you'll obviously check their check their Twitter, check their LinkedIn, make sure it's all. Lining well, LinkedIn up. is an online CV. Well, That's exactly. all. All it is is that it's changed from having to do things with pen and paper is to now having it online. And in fact, um, I've been at a lot of places before that before even um, someone has asked for a CV, they go, "What's their LinkedIn profile?" Mm -hmm. and they want to see that first. So that is just as much as important um, has importance as a paper CV. And um, it is insane that I do think that people are lying about their qualifications, which can literally be fact-checked within about five minutes or yeah. a quick <laughs> phone call. So that on that scale, that's nuts. I found what's interesting, though, when you're talking about the personal interest side mm. is why people mis uh, lied on that. Because effectively, there are some things, if you go... I've run 20 million marathons and <laughs> sure. I used to, you know, I don't know, uh, lie about charity, yeah, charity work, <laughs> things like that, because yeah. even though that may not be a requirement for the job, it's kind of emotional manipulation to someone looking at your CV, right? True. I would also say, though, that there's a real danger that a CV can be too good. It looks Do you too, think? It looks too pro. It looks like they've, it's almost like they've got to a point where they've checked, they, they know what looks good on a CV. And even if they've done it, they've spent so much time at their job, previous jobs, checking these boxes mm -hmm. to make themselves look like a good employee. I can't possibly believe they're an actual good employee and they're doing any productive work. What if you're missing out on all these brilliant individuals because you're just like this? Are you just jealous? Be. Is that the thing? <laughs> I mean, yes, but that's not the point. Uh, but I, 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 I think there's that. And I also, I do think the CV's definitely a, a means to get through the door. Sure. And then I would say, in my experience, most job offers come like the deal breaker for me is will they fit in with the team like that's always seems to be is this person going to function well within the company at a human level and that's immaterial of a cv i know i know you can only make that judgment based on one hour or maybe two hours with an individual but that is crucially important and you can lie on your cv but you can't it's much more difficult to lie your person lie your way out of a rubbish personality <laughs> or true or just be not even be a horrible person just not fit in with the team for whatever reason so I, I I don't know. I don't I don't mind if people have lied on their CVs. I don't. I'm relatively chill about that. But if you've lied about who you I'm are, I'm so much harsher <laughs> than you on that. Maybe, like yeah. if I found so, out someone's lying on the CV, the thing is, it's like with any relationship, whether it's a professional relationship, a personal relationship, the number one thing is trust. You want the person that's going to be in your life, whether again personal or professional relationship, they're going to spend lots of time with, that you can trust them, that they are um, who they say they are, what their um, talents are, any of that kind of stuff. And if they have lied, it opens up the door of 
What else aren't you telling me? Mm. What aren't you qualified for? Actually, whose ideas have you taken? Who are you? You know, that is the kind of process that I have. So I'm a lot less forgiving on that. However, touch wood, that hasn't happened yet in terms of finding anyone like on their CV. Um, but I can't imagine I'd be as chill, probably. I think you're right it. that it says a lot about your personality. And I've, I mean, I've looked at friends' CVs before where the, with the opposite problem happens, where they've done awesome things and they haven't put it down because they're like, oh no, that's not that big a deal. Or, you know, and it's the whole kind of selling yourself aspect that comes with going for a job mm. where like some people do it overly and you sometimes look at CVs. I've looked at CVs where, especially at the little like paragraph at the top where you just say a bit about who you are, they just like make up nouns. Like I am an innovator, <laughs> entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. So no, you're I not. strategize no, on the innovation wise of the <laughs> yeah. inter-slice of, yeah. I, I have revolutionized the media in my first internship at a local paper. <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, chill out. So the, you mentioned ridiculously good CVs. Mm. I came across a list on a website called marketwatch.com they asked managers to submit the most ridiculous lies they'd ever seen on CVs. <laughs> and they included a 22-year-old who said they had three degrees. Degrees okay. take three years each. <laughs> Pretty impressive. A candidate who'd listed 40 jobs in a single year. And wow. someone who said they'd worked for Microsoft but hadn't heard of Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's crazy. They're not going far. No. I think that's what to say. So, Liana, do you think there's ever a circumstance where it's acceptable to lie on your CV? Well, it, I think, like, as we established before, it really depends what we deem as a lie. Of course, to me, there shouldn't be any excuse to lie. You shouldn't ever um, lie about your qualifications and your experience. Of course, when it comes to things like, the, as we picked up before, there's that awkward thing about, let's say, time gaps in a CV. I think even though it's hard to, um, let's say you were made redundant or fired or maybe something didn't work out, you shouldn't shy away from missing those gaps out or missing out that term of employment because at the end of the day, managers are humans as well and have probably gone through similar things that you have done on your CV. And it's your opportunity to put out there exactly what happened and actually talk and be honest about it. Be honest that maybe you didn't fit in somewhere, but you had these great ideas or maybe that this is what you achieved, but it wasn't the right place for you. That is absolutely fine. That is so much better than either having gaps in um, your CV or massaging dates. Sorry, we're told. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Obviously, it's, it's a, a long bit time different ago. when you're younger. <laughs> but um, And also when it does come to um, certain things like uh, job title, which is always a difficult one is that having a bit of massage yes that's fine but obviously like saying that you're CEO of a company and you're like <laughs> someone getting tea obviously that's a bit <laughs> weird but um, when it comes to you know research into and researcher you are still a researcher and as we all know sometimes you end up taking a lot more work than yeah, what your job title would deem you for and particularly in internships. And I think you see a lot of companies like labeling something as volunteer or work placement. And you're like, no, that's definitely a job that you couldn't do without, you know. And I think giving Absolutely. yourself that due credit on the CV is a, sort of the only way that you can at least get something back from it if you haven't been paid for it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Moving on to the survey that I was hoping to talk about, this is about once you are in your job, and I think also strongly related to how satisfied you are and how happy you are in work, is how you feel about your colleagues. Again, I'm the only person in this room who doesn't work for Yahoo. <laughs> so this is great. I'm a little anxious right now. Let's all not make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> Before I take us to the results, uh, let's have a quick go around. Maybe you don't have to talk about your current job if that's too awkward. You know, let's just ask more broadly, how have you felt about your colleagues in current and or previous work experience and how important is that to you in terms of how happy you are at work I've had a job before where I really didn't like any of my colleagues mm. and for that reason I hated working there right. it was so important like the, the job itself was okay I didn't hate it but I really didn't get on with my colleagues and it it meant that I just couldn't stand working there why didn't you get along with them what was there wasn't even anything particular we just we just kind of clashed and just I didn't click with anyone yeah. and it just meant that coming to work was a bit bit lonely you didn't have anyone who you were on the same wavelength as mm. but no, I love I all of them. my colleagues <laughs> <laughs> anyone horrible to you I hate <laughs> them what about you Diana? um well I mean I I really love all my colleagues here I have to say like <laughs> we are very lucky though on Yahoo UK all of us is that everyone's awesome and I think it makes <laughs> a big difference that everyone gets along and it's really friendly um I have been in other jobs that just as well like whether it's my immediate team or um you know it may not be everyone in the company but especially with my team and a few like uh you know uh other teams and allegiance we all got along really well and that was great and that kind of made it even better that if other things or other people were a bit of a nightmare yeah. we had each other um but then I have been at places where I have pretty much not liked anyone bar like probably two people <laughs> um and just like as Matilda was saying it's really difficult because it it makes it really hard to do your job because, um, you know, the jobs that we do have are highly stressful. We do have, you know, we have deadlines. We have, you know, certain performance indicators. We have, you know, a certain quality of standards. It's just go, 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 go all the time. And what you really need is in any job, you need to have... Um, you know, you need to have your squad, you need to have support. You, It doesn't matter whether you're a high-performing worker, usually that high performance comes from being within a group. Yeah. Um, and so being in an environment where I actually, you know, pretty much detested like everyone because they were just horrible people <laughs> we'll take this offline and talk about that later um but Name the company it, yeah <laughs> another company not an oath uh company um, no it generally isn't and um the what made it really difficult is that it made you know doing work a lot harder because you're putting so much energy in to try and stay positive. Yeah, it made yeah, it yeah. harder to even get into work. It made you more tired. It affected mental health. It also meant that, yeah, it was just 
it, it was impossible to feel like you had value because whatever you did wasn't right. And anyway, it could go on forever. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean about just energy that you're just like, I don't want to be spending my energy right now just being annoyed at you. <laughs> but yeah. I have to because you're so annoying. <laughs> yeah. And you're just awful. It's horrible people. <laughs> what about I you, Stuart? I don't really dislike anyone as a rule of thumb. Um, <laughs> and I, I like most people. Uh, I think I have more of a problem with people I like but who aren't very good at their job. I find that very conflicting. Um, and that's more of an issue in some respects than, hey, liking everyone and we all get on. Yeah. Because if you like someone and you have – and they like you and, and you have a strong sort of social relationship at work, that can make it much more difficult as a manager to get mm. or to encourage mm. them or to help them improve their performance because that's awkward. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I'd say I've had that in, in a previous job once or twice. Um, and that's, I don't know, that I find that challenging. And therefore, do I really want to go out of my way to like people at work? <laughs> yeah, obviously, it would be crazy not to do that. That would be bizarre. But it does come with um, difficult add-ons yeah. I would say no I, I agree with that well so what we learned from the survey is that one in five Brits say that they like all of their colleagues that's nice yeah okay yeah uh, family I'm, I'm run company sure or something <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I like my mum and my dad and my uncle <laughs> Uh, four in ten say they like more than half so that comes to 60% of us who say that we like at least half of our colleagues that's more realistic one in six like less than half, and one in twenty-five say that we don't like anyone at all. So that means probably around oh, one I per office. Them. I feel for them. <laughs> um, there weren't that many differences in terms of gender or age. Women are slightly more likely than men to say that they like most of their colleagues. I don't know if they're just more likely to be like, yeah, they're nice. I don't know. Emotional labour. Yeah, being amenable. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and the funny thing that, that did come out of this is that people in the middle of their working lives, so like thirty-five to forty-four, are most likely to say that they like less than half of their colleagues so the national average is around one in seven but among those aged 35 to 44 it's one in five so i don't know whether that's just like you're at an age where you've been with the same people for a number of years and you're getting sick of them i don't know what that is but anyway that was the uh that was the finding but i think it is really interesting what you said Stuart, about like is it a is it a good thing to like all of your colleagues do you need because there are a couple of studies into this um, in part into workplace satisfaction and job satisfaction based on whether or not you like your colleagues. And obviously it's predictable, the outcome there. Lots of people say they like their job more if they like their colleagues. They have more loyalty to the company if they like their colleagues. And there's a really big difference there where people who say that they have good friends at work are much more likely to say that they're going to stay loyal to that firm than people who don't. But at the same time, there was one study that was done in the US by two academics called Chad Higgins and Timothy Judge who were looking at the importance of being liked in interview situations. So basically mm. trying to work out like the bias that comes there when it's just someone that you just get on with versus someone who actually looks qualified and they said like what they in academic terms called ingratiation but just making someone like you does have a big effect on whether or not you get the job and their examples of that were things like what they called opinion conformity so just agreeing with people uh, <laughs> as a way to make people like you as a way to get the job and when I read that I was just like that sounds awful for workplaces yeah. because if yeah. I just do what I think you want me to do because I think that I want you to like me but I know that I have a better idea. What outcome does that have for the workplace? I guess if you don't get on with someone, you've got to be really honest with yourself about whether or not it's because they challenge you, yeah, or if it's because you, there's something about their personality you don't like. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why I, I don't know. That's why I find it quite. I, that's why genuinely I don't think I dislike that many people because they're just different to me, right? And mm. 
I mean, I'm sure I have some faults as well. Just a couple around there. <laughs> no but I, th- I think the but I think the relationship that's most important at work is is the one with your boss. I remember yeah. someone saying to me quite a few years ago that you you join a company but you leave your boss, mm. and it doesn't matter how well you get on with everyone else you work with, if your if your relationship with your manager is not strong, that impacts that can impact so much more yeah absolutely I always think like in those situations especially trying to find that balance right of having a good relationship and whether you like someone or whether you're uh, you know I mean to me it's about you can dislike someone but you respect them as a professional so the difference is is that especially when our workforces get more diverse we're going to have people from different backgrounds they're going to have different Mm -hmm. life experiences they have different perceptions or perspective on things and that is a good thing but naturally we're not going to get along with everyone but the point is as long as people are doing their jobs they're being professional you may not have to like them but you have to feel that you're in a place where um the relationship isn't combative you're respecting what they do they may not be your best friend I always say that you know it's icing on the cake if you really like your colleagues or you get along um you know in sometimes a social capacity or you know going out to the pub with them or you know going bowling or something like that that is icing on the cake but as long as the baseline is having that trust, respect. Mm. You don't have to have the same person, you don't have to agree, but you should be still doing your job and be professional. So I guess there's a difference between getting on with people and actually being friends with them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think I've ever met up with a colleague at the weekend. So I've hung out with colleagues. I don't think I have either. I've ever deliberately, not deliberately, I go for drinks with colleagues a lot. We're quite a sociable team here, but I've never met up with someone. I'm now reassessing our relationship with work, Matilda. I I like church and state when it comes to that. Like, Mm. I think it's the same reason I would, like, you're allowed to dress down here. I will always wear, wear work clothes. So when I go home, mm. I'm not wearing work clothes. At the weekend, I'm I'm not wearing the same clothes I wear to work. I find that really, really important. Um, and <laughs> it's the same reason why I probably, yeah, I don't socialise with people out of choice. I was just thinking <laughs> if I saw you in a shopping centre, after you said that, it's like, it would be like if I saw you in a shopping centre and you're wearing like jeans or something and some like funky trainers, <laughs> it would be like you. seeing your teacher <laughs> at school, yeah. you know, on the Saturday yeah. coming out of JD Sports and they're just like, oh, oh, don't look at me. <laughs> I remember seeing my teacher in year six at the Weird. cinema and he like would always wear like either a suit or definitely a shirt to school and he was also quite hot and everyone had a crush on him <laughs> and then we saw him at the cinema and he was just wearing a t-shirt, jeans and a cap and stuff and everyone's like oh my yeah. god and he was just so awkward he was just clearly like you are yeah, the last people I want to see on a Saturday um so to wrap up Liana what do you think as the kind of final call do you think work should be a social space does it does it detriment you in any way if you're not friends with your colleagues is there any other advantages to it what do you think I do think it's a I think it's essential that first and foremost, it should be an environment where everyone should feel that wherever they've come from, whatever personality, whatever experience is that they're an environment that they will be um, accepted and also be able to you know thrive in that environment without being hated. Because obviously that that's that's crazy, right? I'd say that trying to get the balancing act between liking your colleagues and like getting on collegially and becoming friends is a difficult balancing act to do. But I do think you can achieve that. Um, sometimes it errs on to other sides sometimes. But 
as long as you're still staying professional, you have the understanding, understanding from the manager point of view that, you know, there will be sometimes some tough talks that you need to have. There is, you know, sometimes some tough decisions that you will need to talk with someone that you really like, but you should still be feeling that you're empowered to do that. As an employee, you should also realize that it's great to have that relationship with your boss and for your colleagues, because it's a really, the more collaborative and supportive you are for each other, everyone does strive and become more productive. But then at the same time, understand Understanding that there is that balance that if your boss does need to talk to you about something tough or make sometimes a decision that you may not agree with, that it's coming from a good place and they have a job to do as well. Mm. So Great. what are we a nation of? Are we a happy workforce? We're a majority happy workforce. Not that many of us have lied to get where we are. Quite honest. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like we should always try to do we could do a little bit better, I think. I think so. But overall, I think these surveys are quite positive about how people how people feel at work. Most people don't hate their colleagues and most people don't hate their job. Yay us. <laughs> <laughs> so Britain is a nation of happy-ish workers. Honest-ish, happy-ish, sociable-ish workers. Great. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of Britain is a nation of... How can they get in touch, Matilda? You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo News UK. Or you can find us on Facebook under Yahoo UK and Ireland or email us on yahoonewsuk at oath.com. And join us again for another deep dive into very British behaviours. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.